let us pray. Father God, thank you for what you have done and thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we pray that you would use this time that we share together to your glory and honor and that you would be glorified, Father, by every word and every thought as we commit ourselves now into your hands. For Christ's sake, amen. How many of you have ever said, the devil made me do it? More of you have than that, but that's okay. Flip Wilson made it popular. That dates me. Some of you uh, know who that is. Um, the devil doesn't make you do anything, by the way. The devil can't make you do anything. We're going to look at that this morning. But I'd like to share with you some, um, some, some scriptures and uh, talk about how we um, justify what we do. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 9. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 9. We read these words. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because... I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Powerful words as to how we live in the world today. And as Andrea was sharing with us about the issues that, that she deals with, that, and all of us deal with issues, and we have our, our moments of weakness where we succumb to all kinds of feelings and powers and questions that come upon us. But the question that God asks and the question that God is asking right now is this. Where are you? Some of you didn't hear that, but there was a lone voice that said in church. Where are you? Yes, sir. Oh, he said it? Okay. He wanted to make sure we all knew that he said that. All right. Where are you here is not a question about location. The, the where are you here is where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in that dynamic, growing, living, loving relationship that God wants to have with you? You see, God came to the garden and walked with Adam and Eve on a regular basis. He came and he'd walk with them and they would talk together. And it was a, it was a beautiful experience that they would share together in the garden. But on this day, when, when, when God comes walking to the garden wanting to fellowship with Adam and Eve, they're hiding. Why are they hiding? You can't hide 
from God. You cannot hide from God knows every thought that you're thinking right now. God knows every word you're going to say before you say it. He knows what you're going to say. God knows what you're going to do tomorrow. God already knows everything there is about you, and that's the, the wonder and the joy of the gospel because God knows, and he loves you anyway. He knows everything. Everything. You cannot hide from God. But Adam and Eve were hiding from God, and, and God continues to ask that question today, and that's what he's asking you right now. Where are you in your relationship with him? Are you hiding from God? Are you keeping secrets from him? Do you know when you try to keep secrets from somebody, do you know what that does? It destroys the relationship. I hate well, I won't use the word hate. But surprise parties and birthdays, you got to lie and cover it up and keep it a secret. And it, uh, it, it can get pretty hairy at times trying to keep something away from somebody else. And that's what happens when we, we try to, to keep things away from God. It destroys our relationship to him just like it destroys your relationship to one another when we keep secrets. Adam said, I heard you coming, so I had. You can't hide from God. You cannot hide from God any more than you can hide from one another without destroying the relationship that you have with him or with God. God knew what Adam had done, but he wanted Adam to acknowledge his sin. So God asked it, did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? God already knew what Adam had done. God already knows what you have done. God already knows the sin in your life. He already knows it. You cannot get away from that. But God wants us to confess it. God wants us to acknowledge what we have done is in disobedience to him. So he asked God, uh, Adam, so Adam, what is this you've done? Because you see, when we confess our sins, God forgives our sins. When we acknowledge to God that what we have done is not right, and we, and we repent, we return from that. So I, I'm not going to do that again until the next time you do it. But when we repent, when we're truly sorry, God forgives us. And he wants to restore us to that relationship with himself. And that's what he was doing with Adam and Eve. But what did Adam do? He blamed the woman. It was the blame game. And we all fall subject to that occasionally. It was that woman you gave me. And in some ways, God, uh, Adam was blaming God. In some ways, Adam was saying, if you hadn't have given me that woman, I would not have eaten the apple. So it was God's fault that Adam sinned. 
And that was the excuse that Adam was making as he uh, was responding to God, as he was talking with God. He was, he was saying, God, you did this. It's your fault. So then God turned to Eve and said, Eve, what have you done? And Eve said, the devil made me do it. The old devil made me do it, God. He's the one that deceived me. No. She made a choice to disobey God. She believed the lie rather than the truth. The devil does not make you do anything. We are responsible for our own actions. And taking responsibility for our actions is a sign of maturity. But we like to play the blame game. We're, we are very uh, good at it. Because you see, all of us attempt it. All of us are going to fall to temptation along the way. Jesus was tempted by Satan. But Satan didn't make Jesus disobey God. He just tempted Jesus. Just like we're tempted constantly. But we don't have to obey Satan. We don't have to believe the lies that he tells us. We have a choice. We can't play the blame game all the time. But you know what we've done? We've taken the blame game to a higher level. We've taken the blame game to the place where we create an enemy. It's us and them. It's their fault. It's, it's those people that are causing the problems, not me. I'm not responsible for those poor people out there. I'm not responsible for the thousands of children that are dying in countries around the world from starvation. I'm not, that's not me. That's somebody else's fault. So we create enemies in order to justify all the wrongs in the world. We'll blame the media. That's a popular one right now. We'll blame the schools, although schools aren't teaching the right subject. We blame the liberals. It's those liberals out there that are causing all the problems. We'll blame the communists. We'll blame the Republicans or the Democrats, the old, the young people, the poor, the rich, all of our problems are focused on a perceived enemy. Somebody else other than ourselves is responsible for that need, for that problem, for that wrong that's taking place in our world today. It's never me. It's never my problem that God has called me to fix or to address or to deal with because those people out there are causing it. But God is very clear as to who our enemy is. I am not your enemy. The people sitting next to you are not your enemy, even if you are married. The, the people in this building are not your enemy. The people down the street are not your enemy. 
the people overseas in different countries, that's not your enemy. Do you know who your enemy is? Andrea mentioned it. The devil. That's your enemy. But not only is the devil trying to to tempt us and to lead us astray and to make us depressed and to destroy our unity. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's part of Satan's agenda is to divide us up and then conquer us because we get us fighting with each other. And we're good at doing that. Some years ago, I attended the Southern Baptist Convention and I sat with a, I may have told you all this, but anyway, I'll tell you again because you probably don't remember. I sat next to a Baptist historian, and he sat with me, and this was back in the, in the 80s when the Southern Baptist Convention was going through uh, a lot of turmoil. And he told me this. He said, you know, Baptists are known for fighting. We're like cats. He said, it used to be that when Baptists fought like cats, we'd come out with kittens. He said, but now, when Baptists fight, we fight to the death. We destroy one another. And that's a whole different mindset when you're doing battle with one another. By the way, that can be extremely dangerous in marriage because you know the things to say and do that hurt the other person and you can destroy that person easily. But when we fight today, we're out to destroy those people. So it's not so much about what's right and wrong, it's, it's about the lesser of two evils. They are so bad that you don't want to have anything to do with them. And I'm much better than they are. So we set ourselves up in a self-righteous attitude rather than addressing the issues that divide us. We've lost our moral compass. We no longer do it the way Jesus said to do it. Problem is we're focusing on the wrong enemy. Our enemy is not out there. Our enemy is right here. Attacking us right now. Trying to destroy us. Fear. Pride. Jealousy. Greed. Self-righteousness. Those are the forces that we've got to confront each and every moment if we are to be the people of God in the world today. We have to stop fighting one another and focus on the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning with verse 10. The scriptures tell us very clearly who the enemy is and then the scriptures tell us how to deal with the enemy. Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Even as we come into, the, you know, when I first went into ministry, my first pastorate, I thought, we've got the power of God and the commission of God to change the world. Let's go to it. You know what I left out? There's sin in the church. And there's sin in the church the moment that I walk in it because I'm a sinner. And all of us are sinners. So God takes a group of sinners and says, hey, let's be the people of God. Let's be holy. So how do we be holy? Do y'all remember the sermon I talked about how to be spiritual? Do you know how to be spiritual? All right. I'm going to do like that young preacher went to this church and he preached the sermon. And after the sermon, the people said, you know, preacher, that's exactly what we need to hear here. So the next Sunday, he preached the same sermon. And they said, well, he's young, he's new, we'll, we'll, we'll let him do that. And the third Sunday, he did the same sermon again. So they went to him after the church service and said, preacher, is that the only sermon you know? You have a, you've preached the same sermon three Sundays in a row. He said, yes. And when you start doing that one, I'll preach another one. So I may have to go back and preach that same sermon all over again. Unless we become like children, we're not spiritual. Not childish. But childlike dependence upon God. That's spiritual maturity. So how do we get there? Well, this says to put on the full armor of God. And I need somebody to help me. If you would stand right there. The scriptures say that we're to put on the full armor of God. So if we're going to do battle against our enemy, we've got to be equipped. We have to be prepared. So how do we do that? Well, it says to put on the belt of truth. Why is the belt of truth so important? Truth shall set you free. But what's the belt do? Holds everything in place, folks. It keeps you together. Trust me, you want me to keep my belt on. But the belt of truth, we base all that we do on truth. Not a lie. And that sense of truth sets us free. The truth is God loves us just the way we are. Doesn't mean we're perfect. But that's the truth. But God loves everybody just the way they are. That's the truth. And we need to start with that truth. 
And then it says to put on the bless, breastplate of righteousness. Hey girl, I don't know how to do this. This is going to be interesting. What's the breastplate of righteousness protect? Your, your heart, your body, your, all of your vital organs. All of the vital organs are protected by the breastplate of righteousness. Is that too tight? Just suck it in, girl. <laughs> the breastplate of righteousness. And, and to do the right thing. So we, we have the belt of truth that holds everything together. And then we put on the breastplate of righteousness where we do those things that are righteous before God. We assume the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ. And that protects our vital organs. We're sinners, but the righteousness of God protects us and keeps us from doing wrong doing the right thing. And then we are to shod our feet with the gospel, to, to prepare ourselves with the preparation of the gospel. You didn't know you were going to get dressed here today, did you? Can you put that one on? I'm going to let you put those ones. You can't do it. Come here, Mama, and help her out some. Because I'll, I'll mess it up. These are shin guards rather than shoes. But what, what's it mean to prepare your feet with the preparation of the gospel? Help you walk in the right direction. Study this book. Know the gospel. Know the truth. Know what God is saying so that you might be able to walk the walk. It's one thing to, to walk in darkness, but thy word is a light to my feet. But if you don't have the light shining on your path, how do you know where to go? And you walk in darkness. So being prepared with the preparation of the gospel is an important part of doing battle against our true enemy. And you know what happens if you don't be prepared? Where does the enemy strike you? At your weakest point. If you don't have that on, that's where he's going to strike you. If you don't have the breastplate on, that's where he's going to strike you. At your weakest point. So you can't just do one. You've got to do all of the armor. Put on the full armor of God so that we might be able to fight the enemy that's out there. So that we might be able to, to keep Satan from attacking us. And if we aren't prepared, we will fail. We will give in to these powers that be. Thank you, ma'am. 
after shodding your feet with the gospel, you take on the, the shield of faith. This one I can do. Okay, what's a shield do? Deflects the arrows of the devil. You had another comment? Okay. So the shield you can hold up, you know, you can you see it coming, so you put the shield up to protect yourself from it. Because trust me, it happens all the time and it comes in all kinds of ways. So you use the shield to deflect those fiery darts that come, those temptations that, that, that are thrown at you uh, constantly, that sense of be afraid to wear a mask or be afraid to get a needle in your eye, and I'm definitely afraid of needles, but I had mine. So fear is one of those art, fire art, uh, darts that come at us, and you can deflect that with the shield of faith. Why? Because we believe there's a God who's in charge. So I don't have to be afraid. Guess who wins in the end? God's going to win. Yeah, I don't know what all this pandemic stuff's going to lead to. I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know how we're going to be doing church next week or next month or next year. I don't know what new pastor is going to come here. But I do know that we have a God who's bigger than a pandemic. We have a God that's bigger than the devil himself. We have a God who has defeated Satan, and we don't have to worry or be afraid. There is no fear if you are walking in the love of God because God's love casteth out fear. Don't be afraid. Just do the right thing. Live freely because that's what God has called us to is that freedom in Christ. But we're not done yet. After the shield of faith, we put on the helmet of salvation. mess up your hair. Right, let's go ahead. <laughs> no. Is that okay? Now what's the helmet do? Protects your head. What's in the head? The brain. Your thoughts. So you put on the helmet of salvation because I'll tell you what the Satan's going to do. You're not saved. He'll, he'll put those doubts in your mind. You're, you're not a Christian. You're, you're not good. You're, you're a bad person. And all these thoughts Satan attacks you with. And the helmet of salvation, that knowledge that God loves you just the way you are and has saved you because of his love and the love of God makes you a valuable person. Because God loves you, you are valuable. Have you ever seen a child with an old musty ragging blanket that most people would throw away? You try to take it from that child and throw it away. What makes that blanket valuable? The child. 
what makes you valuable? God. God makes you valuable. He died for you so that you might have eternal life. And that makes you a valuable person regardless of who you are. The helmet of salvation. Don't ever forget how much you are loved by God. God loves you. I don't care what you do. God loves you. Don't care who you are. God loves you just the way you are. You know how I know that? Because God loves me. And if God loves me, he can love every one of you. No, he can't. But we're not done yet. You, we need to be fully equipped. You know, it looks like we're in pretty good shape here, but we take on the sword of the Spirit of God. The sword of the Spirit. What's the sword do? I'm sorry? It's, it's the only offensive weapon you've got. You can attack with it. It's also defensive. You can block with it. And, uh, yeah, I see them fighting on TV all the time, you know, and all, all that stuff. I try to do that. I don't, it's TV. But we take the sword of the Spirit that we're able to fight off and hold off the attacks of Satan, and we're able to use that to attack the world in which we live with the truth of God. And if we're not fully equipped, fully equipped, Satan's going to attack you at your weakest point. If you leave off that knowledge of salvation, that's where he's going to get you. If you leave off the breastplate of righteousness, that's where he's going to get you. If you don't have a shield, those fiery darts are going to come right through and hit you in a vulnerable spot. And if you don't have a sword, if you don't have the, the Spirit of God that you can wield with uh, truth in the world today, you're in bad shape. And knowing the, the, the Word so that you can walk in the light of God. Are, these are essentials if you're going to fight the true enemy. And you know what happens if you don't have the full armor of God? You're going to fall susceptible to the blame game. Then you're going to say, well, I didn't mean to do it, Lord. It was that woman. It was those people out there. It's the world in which I live today. It's, it's, all, it's my boss. It's those trifling people who won't work. On and on we go with, with people that we can blame, things that we can blame because we didn't allow ourselves to be fully equipped to fight the real enemy. Truth is, we have met the enemy and they are us. It's me. Because you see, I'm responsible for not doing this. I'm responsible for not being equipped. I'm responsible for not being obedient. I'm responsible for forgetting about the love that God has for me and, and the death of Christ on the cross. That's me. So where are you right now? 
Where are you in your relationship with God? If you're not fully equipped, then you're hiding from him. I'm going to let you go down there and let your mama take all that off. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Let's give her a, a hand, please. If we are to be equipped for spiritual warfare, we must prepare to meet the enemy. Are you willing to be prepared? Are you willing to be fully equipped? That's a decision that you and I make. Or we can just blame somebody else for all our faults and everything that's happening in the world today. That's where we make the choice. That's our decision. So as God walks among us now, what's your decision? Are you willing to allow God to equip you for battle? Or are you going to run and hide.